set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in In my heart, I have a desire. And welcome, everyone, to Greetings from Beyond Radio. I'm your host, Rich Valdez, and as usual, my co-host. Vicki Burnett. See, I didn't point at you this time. Yeah, because you forgot which direction. That's why you did one of these kind of no. things. I got that <laughs> time down. to process which direction I was. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's okay. a mirror. It's a mirror image. That's all it is. It's just, you know, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors. It's all good. So as usual, um, I'm going to go ahead and go down the list of every single social media platform uh, that you can listen to or see us podcast wise. And as soon as our producer is ready, we can go there. All right. So you can hear us in Spotify, watch us on Facebook and YouTube iHeartRadio, The Paralanks, Amazon Music, Podcast Index, Samsung Podcast, uh, Listen Notes, Apple Podcasts, wherever Apple, uh, you know, uh, phones and computers are available because there's like, they're so special, you know, uh, and also Google Podcast and Pandora. But please, by all means, subscribe, go to YouTube and subscribe immediately because that's the best way to actually know when we're coming on the air and let me tell you 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 don't want to miss a minute of this uh be it visually or verbally regardless you get to interact with us and that's even better so there you go um today we're going to be discussing the origins of incubus succubus and then that's going to be the first hour second hour we're going to be discussing The haunting, I don't even want to call it a haunting. That was a cluster, you know what, of Doris Bither. It was inspired uh, as a movie, and and first it was a book, but it was based off of true accounts. And um, Loosely based, I might add. Loosely, very, yeah. Of reading the novel, I'm going to call it a novel. And it's really good, but it's, there's a lot of, like messed up details and things well like you said it's like it it immediately just throws you right into the you know match wrestling match boxing match whatever you want to call it and it's it's that's pretty much how it is when you have something that violent happening to a human being so we will be discussing the doris bither case 
best known as the entity if you all ever saw the movie with barbara hershey in it back in i believe the 80s early 80s if i'm not mistaken that came out loosely based on the true story and uh i thought it was a well-made movie personally speaking and it was it scared the bejesus out of me and then, then i just went ahead and oh well uh, started doing my own research. It's, it's always been a case that's interested me. And I'm sure now that you've been reading the novel, it's interested you, Vicki. Well, what um, I remember, because um, since both of us came from Florida Ghost Team, one of the things that the founder director taught us at that time is to never use the word entity. And one of the reasons she said to never use the word entity was because people would immediately take themselves back to that movie if they had seen the movie and they would think that we were referencing something that was as violent as it was depicted in the movie so one of the rules is that we couldn't call anything an entity what do you feel about that rule now um i see why she made the rule i understand because people could be taken back to that film and think that that's the association but i have no problem in using the word entity now but I understand her reasoning for sure. Well, regardless, I, I think, hey, you know what? Entity, spirit, whatever you choose to use, it's the proper word to use. But I understand back then. But nowadays, if you were to, I'd be hard pressed to believe that anyone would even recall that movie because it was in the 80s. You know, that's that's for like you and me that remember the 80s. Okay, versus people that are like, oh, yeah, isn't that like, you know, when you had to use your feet to start your car? We're not Flintstone, but come on now. Uh, see, now, I didn't see it in the 80s because uh, I saw the commercial and it scared me because in the 80s I was younger. And I actually did not see the film until like, I want to say 2018 or 19. Really? No, I yeah, saw I saw the movie around, I would say, well, you know, this is around Blockbuster uh, era. So in the 90s, I rented it. I watched it. I was like, I got this for three days. I'm going to keep watching this. It is what it is. But anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go into Incubus and Succubus and the history of, if possible, um, as you can see, this is the, the infamous picture of Nightmare. Um, back in the day, there were a lot of depictions, but this looks more modern, come to think of it. It's not the one that I've seen before, but very similar to. And it's, it's depicting what Incubus, Succubus do. Back in the day, they were called Nightmare and uh that is the you know what the painting is usually called nightmare they would sit on your chest you felt the pressure on your chest you felt like you couldn't move and you were attacked now um there's many different ways or different you know i don't want to call them urban legends let's just call them legends because this is predating even before christ and well, i would call it folklore then well, I don't even know if we should call it folklore, to be honest with you, because it's a legend. Let's just call it a legend, you know? Um, it's not a myth. It's a legend. 
But it was believed that the first woman created, Lilith, was the mother of all incubus and succubi. This being the case, she also, in order to have children, ended up having taking on to herself a, a husband. Now remember, Lilith was the first woman, human. Hello, Thirsty Tom. Oh, hey, Bob. How are you? Um, welcome to the show. And uh, it was, you know, since Lilith was the first woman created, but she was created, according to lore, from the earth. Now, if you remember Adam and Eve and how they were both created, Adam was created from the earth and Eve was created from Adam's rib. But before Eve was created, Lilith was created. Lilith was, I am woman, hear me roar. She would not submit to Adam. And God did not see this to be a good thing. So he said, get out of the garden. And being who and what she was and felt like she had been slighted, I, I happen to know of two, one fallen, one not fallen angel, by which she chose, as the legend goes, to actually mate with. And this is where Incubus and Succubus came from from a human and a demon or fallen angel. And that being the case, what people would then say, well, wouldn't these be uh, Nephilims? Yes. But as I will, you know, go ahead and, and say this, Nephilims weren't all giants. In fact, there are, there are uh, mentions of Nephilim being heroes of old, even in the Bible. Meaning they, they just weren't giants. They were extraordinary people with abilities. And that being said, this is what, you know, one of the many things that came from them. I, I dare even say maybe Bigfoot, maybe, you know, Chupacabra, who knows. But there are many legends behind it, this being one of them. Uh, Vicky, your take on this? How do you feel about this? Well, it depends on how much stock you put into the legend, the story, and the source thereof. I'm sure that tonight we're going to discuss many different avenues. The legend, we're also going to talk about the scientific world, um, the psychological world, and all these people that have tried to come together to figure out what's going on in these actual attacks. And for the most part, they are attacks. Every country has their version of what they call an incubus and a succubus. It's worldwide, much like you have every country has to a certain degree their legend of elementals and nature spirits or whatever you want to call them. So it's always interesting to me when you have something that's global and you have to say there must be something to it if it's global. Everybody has their own little story. And that to me gives it a little more street cred that it actually exists because, I mean, what's the odds that everybody sat down at different time periods and made up almost the exact same story, but gave it all a different name? Well, we also have to think this is something, a phenomenon, if you will, that has existed for, dare I say, thousands of years and it, it's it's not a 
dink that it was happening worldwide to different cultures. And since they didn't have telephones, they didn't have radio, they didn't have anything like that back in the day. It was word of mouth. But quite frankly, why was it that the symptoms that people would feel? And I'm going to go as far back as even the old hag syndrome. And I'm sure you've heard of this before, Vicky, and everyone in our audience right now. Old hag syndrome was basically the same thing. You couldn't move, and you, it, which is now what we refer to as sleep paralysis. But there's, I believe, the clinical term for sleep paralysis. I believe that there's also another form of sleep paralysis, which is induced by the being, said being that may be there, or dare I say, entity. I said it. I said it, Vicky. Oh my gosh. I'm burning. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So that being said, um, we, we're going to look into all of that. Uh, there is also, and, and this is where it starts getting a little murky for, for my taste, but we have to throw this in there. Um, so the earliest description akin to incubus and in published literature is attributed to a Dutch physician collection of case histories. He published this in 1664. 1664. I want you to think how far and how long ago this was. And what he stated is that, so he was Dutch, published in 1664. In these case histories, Patients described themselves to be sexually approached, and during such acts, they were hardly able to respond. Over the years, many similar descriptions are available, which can be understood as nightmares or sleep paralysis. So, I believe there is the clinical, because I, I know people that have actually, that do still to this day suffer from sleep paralysis. They are aware of what's going on around them. They can actually crack an eye open. They can hear what's going on, but they cannot move. They're paralyzed, hence the word sleep paralysis. But they don't feel an old hag looking down on them. They don't feel weight on their chest. They don't feel they're being sexually raped. Right, because they, as you hinted at the beginning, sleep paralysis has a purpose. There, when you are in a sleep state, sometimes you may want to act out your dreams and you or someone else can get hurt. So sleep paralysis is actually like a safety mechanism that we have as we're coming back between the dream state and the wake state so that we are not attacking people, especially if we were having a bad dream at that time. So it makes it so that you can't move to act it out. So it does help us if you're talking about the true clinical definition of sleep paralysis. So if I thought I was a Kung Fu master, then that's what sleep paralysis would come, would come in handy. But I've also read up articles where it states that this tends to happen when you do not get enough REM sleep. For those of you that don't know what REM means, it is rapid eye movement, meaning you are exhausted. You're not sleeping. You're not getting enough REM sleep which is what we need for our subconscious mind to unwind and unleash everything 
<laughs> that's when we are literally unconscious. Our blood pressure level goes down, our heart rate goes down and everything. That is important. So people that are also deprived, sleep deprived, end up having sleep paralysis because it's the body saying enough is enough. You need to sleep. Bam, sleep paralysis. Agreed? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so, what also, as you know, if as we get into and we talk about the origins and who is actually behind, what are they? If you are looking at them being something more nefarious, then they want you in that stage. They want you to be sleep deprived correct. so that they can take over. Uh, hello to, to Howard and uh, Thirsty Tom, uh, or better known as Bob. I don't know why he goes by Thirsty Tom. Old hag. Uh, can you put that up again uh, from Tom? Uh, old hag was from Nova Scotia, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know exactly the history on the old hag or where the term came from. To be honest with you, I believe that is our interpretation of what it looked like so that in itself said they you know we used our english language to describe what people were seeing but old hag syndrome is kind of americanized maybe brit who knows but that's what we would see um what i find fascinating is that the same phenomenon if you want to call it that but the same symptoms that was happening to individuals that were experiencing old hag syndrome happened to be sleep paralysis and also what was happening to people that had nightmare incubi succubi going on to them sleep paralysis now look i'm not going to be one uh to to just jump on the wagon here and say it's all paranormal it's all demonic no that's what we're not here to do we are here to actually look we're going to turn over every stone and we're going to look and see which one actually fits right um so the late latin word incubus a nightmare induced by a demon is derived from latin incubo nightmare what lies down on one whilst one sleeps i love those fancy you know words back then whilst one sleeps and further from incubare to lie upon the hatch or to hatch fascinating to hatch uh-huh okay all right come on Vic. i know you want to say something i, I know you right now come on oh no 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 I he's gonna do that now. no i know but come on you know it, it is what it is <laughs> come on you're, you're blushing i can see the blush you have this glow okay come on now oh, that's a new blush i bought Thank you oh, for noticing. Oh, God. <laughs> Your dog wants to join in, I hear. Yeah, I know, but he's going to have to win. Whoever's <laughs> there is going to have to understand that I'm running a show right now. So it is what it is. So anyways, uh, so you, you're going to, you know, pretty much just say that this this was just a, you know, the new ruse, I guess. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So should we keep going? Keep going. All right. That's from what the, he said. <laughs> from the scientific department of the National Library of Medicine, 
The term incubus syndrome is used for a rare form of delusion in which patients harbor a delusion that they have been sexually approached by an unseen lover. It is considered a type of the secondary uh, erotomania, erotomania. Okay, erotomania. Got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Erotomania in which the person or persons have delusion of being raped by an imaginary lover. Abstract incubus syndrome characterized by delusional belief in female patients of being sexually approached by an unforeseen person. Now, I love how they throw the female under the bus first. <laughs> Let's start there. Yeah, it's always an incubus, right? And the thing is, that's great. Um, I mean, I have very vivid dreams myself, but I don't wake up with bruises and scratches and uh, evidence that something has occurred. And yeah. that's where you have to go. Do I think that there are people who have legitimate, vivid dreams that think this is happening? Yes. Do I think that there are people who have something going on mentally that can think that this is happening? Absolutely. I've given this example before. I went on a case. She said she was being sexually assaulted at night. It was actually repressed memories from her childhood abuse that was coming through, and it just happened to be coming through at night. And so she mistook those memories as a physical interaction that was happening at that moment. So there's a lot of different things, and you have to look at case by case to figure out what's going on. Do I think that we're dealing with something that really does physically interact with people, that physically does this to people? Yes, I think there is a portion of people that experience that as well. There's a question from the chat, uh, Howard Petrie. Can you explain having a dream that feels lifelike of a person that has just passed away? More than likely, that's a visitation. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, but I figured... Uh, Let the psychic that, medium do it? Well, go ahead. I mean, I've had them. Every, I think everybody has, to be honest with you. And part of the reason why it's so easy for our loved ones to communicate in dreams is because our defenses are down. We're not busy trying to explain their presence away. We're not trying to find a logical explanation as to what's happening. We are simply there to watch them in the dream and to listen to them. Sometimes they don't have these big, deep messages. They just show up to let us know that even though they don't have their body anymore, that they're still with us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that to me is a natural thing. I know I've had visitation dreams before. Um, my grandfather visited me back in the day. My grandmother visited me back in the day. There was a nightmare, though, involved with her. But uh, I think that was like my fear of her being put um, in a drawer in the wall. Uh, I was not used to seeing stuff like that. And uh, it, it did affect me. I, I've had visitation dreams from almost just about everyone that's, that was close to me. Uh, visit me in dreams and there's nothing wrong with that I think it's a natural thing so that being said yes to answer your question Howard I you know personally and Vicky and I both agree that that is visitation from 
people that have recently deceased and passed on. They just want to leave a message. And it doesn't have to happen right away. It may take days, weeks, months, even years, just so you're aware. And it doesn't have to be um, someone who recently passed away. My dad passed away in 94, and he made regular visits in my dreams until my mom passed away in 2018. So um, that's a long time to be visiting. I just actually had a visitation dream for my mom this week. There you go. So, And depending on how close you are or were to this individual, hello, Sean, it, it, it depends on how frequently this is going to happen. I know for a fact that you were very close to your mom. In fact, you were very close to your mom all the way through childhood, adulthood, and in, until she finally passed away. May she rest in peace. And she was, you guys were close. Clo you were closer to her than your other siblings. Yeah. You took care of her, you know. Uh, and that being said, that's, that's, I would understand. And, you know, I hope it was a good dream or a good visitation. Most of the time when she, she comes in the dream, she's usually just a character in there. And she, I think she was organizing something. I, I don't know what she is. She was like in the background and she was just fixing something or doing something like that. It wasn't like one of her deeper moments where she's come and given me some insight. But, um, but you know, I, I appreciate the fact. Now, what's interesting, though, is the fact that my dad has not, to my knowledge, come to me in my dreams since my mom passed away. So I wish that he, cause he would come on the regular back in the day. I'd have, right. I'd have like a dad dream once a month. And, um, but he hasn't since she passed away. Uh, hello from Yvonne Dickinson. And uh, we're getting lots of people rolling right in. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Paul Richardson, I know that guy. Um, and okay, so a little more in European mythology literature since at least the 19th century <clears throat> excuse me a cambion is the offspring of an incubus succubus or other type of demon with a human and incubus would have sexual intercourse with a male to steal his sperm and impregnate a woman with the seed of another human man mixed with its dna thus in turn making a, com a combion or a cambion, part human, part daemon, in the word's earliest known uses. It was interchangeable with changeling. Fascinating. And and also, just to throw this in there as well, it was also believed and that there wasn't two. There wasn't a male or female. It was just one species that could actually be either or, male or female. Just thought I'd throw that in there. That just happens to be a bit of my research um, over the past several days and over the years as well. So there's a lot to be said about that. Your impressions, Vicky, when it comes to this? Well, I thought it was interesting that Merlin, the magician, was thought to have been the result of one of these unions. That is true. I thought that was very interesting. There's hey, Tony. How are you doing? Good to see you there. Thank you for showing up. Um, so, yes, I... I there, there's so many folklores out there. There's so many different legends. I, I believe there is truth to Camelot, though. You know, 
there's some truth. I mean, it's not as fantastical as the movies are, but there is some truth to it. Well, a lot of things have, you know, a pinch of truth here or there. There's usually something in there. But I want to get into, um, because you and I had a really long discussion this past weekend, and one of the things that we talked about is I was asking a lot of questions, and you said that even though they go around trying to reproduce, they actually can't. Could you tell the audience more about that? Okay, say again. Sorry, I got distracted. Remember here. when we were we were talking about incubus and succubus, and that it looks like their intent may be to reproduce, but you said technically they they can't. We had, you had talked about how all the ones that were created were created then and there, and they didn't reproduce. Yeah, I, I, I for lack of better words, they were shoot. They've been shooting blanks now for some time because, quite frankly, if they had the ability to reproduce, do you know how many incubus succubus children we would have nowadays? They've been they've existed longer than just the 1600s. They've they've existed thousands and thousands of years. And that being said, um, I'm you know that's what research is there for is to refresh your memory because I've had to study this in the past, but also to refresh a lot of different approaches. And at that time we were discussing a case mixed in with you know whatever knowledge I did have back then, but in the time between me, you know, talking with you that that day into the evening about this case and, and all the possibilities, I've done a lot more research. And it has me wondering, and I see a lot of the same mm -hmm. symptoms, if you will, for lack of better words, that indicate that what this gentleman is going through is not good just saying uh and i am concerned but again as i did state then and i will state it now this individual would have to be the one to want this to go ultimately in the end well i think that can be said of any type of haunt uh, That's not, know, this is not a haunt i don't think it's a haunt anymore I, but i'm saying you can say that about any type of situation because you and i have both been on cases where they call us in, they want to find out what's there, and then you want to get rid of it, or they claim they want to get rid of it, and they turn around and invite it back because they become bored, and they, at this point, they become dependent on that relationship. That's how a spirit board sucks people in, is that they develop a relationship with whatever is claiming to come through the board, and that's where it becomes very complicated in getting rid of something because you have to break that attachment whether it's pleasant or unpleasant when you have something that occurs on a regular basis it becomes a habit it becomes something you depend on it becomes something that almost gives you security because you know it's going to happen right and, and it's expected yeah and then so you not only have to deal with whatever it is you need to get rid of you also have to break that dependency i use the example of someone in a cult and you know you may be able to take them out of the cult but it is in their head it was their way of life and it's very difficult to break someone away from a cult and the cult mentality 
will oftentimes draw them back into what is familiar to them. And that's the same thing when you're dealing with people who may have visits from these things, people who even in a traditional um, haunt are used to the spirit that's in their home. People have to want it to be gone. And that's step number one. So uh, our producer already stated, folklore says that they do reproduce from the stolen seed of another male, but mixed with its DNA, the children born of incubi and succubus look like humans, but with slight deformities and higher gifts. Well, in the in the legends and the folklore, um, they claim that when you had a child who may have had some kind of deformity, that's because it wasn't really a human child. It was a product of, you know, an incubus and the mother. And they use that catch-all for any type of situation, even like um, when Anne Boleyn, she had multiple miscarriages when she was with Henry VIII. And some of them, the fetuses were deformed. So that's where they said she was a witch and that she was really having sex with the devil instead. And of course, we know that he used that for political reasons to get rid of her. But I digress. <laughs> so this has been around a long time. Instead of blaming or at that time not having the research to know that we have birth defects. We yeah, have it's called things. mutation. Yeah, and we have these things that happen. And we know that there's a scientific reason, not because you slept with the devil. Well, it may have been a devil at the time, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's that that's back then. Their mentality, their way of thinking was it was the devil. It was always the devil. Hey, it's Bob. He's back again, but now he's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bob. Welcome back. You didn't um, like you made fun of his other name. I, I wasn't making fun of it. I just, I was totally thrown off when he said, oh, this is Bob Burnell. I'm like, oh, okay, it's Bob Burnell. But he's thirsty. And he's not Bob. He's Tom. So, <laughs> you know, that. this being said, and, and, and it's funny how back in the day, they would always attribute everything to the devil or witchcraft or something evil versus because of course they didn't have the science they didn't have the science exactly they didn't have real doctors like we have doctors today i mean just a medical doctor today would blow one from back in the day out of the water uh they did a lot of soothsaying i would say back then they they had alternative medicine uh if if you had the fever what did they use Come on, Vicky. You've seen the movies. You've read the books. Well, actually, Jamaicans, if you had a fever, they used to have to drink lemongrass. You would take the lemongrass and boil it, and that could reduce a fever. They would use slugs. Back in the day, if you had the fever, they'd use slugs to suck the blood out. Funny. Leeches, yeah. Leeches, slug, yeah, correct. Leeches. And this in itself I found to be fascinating because they felt that, well, their blood must be burning. So they have to cool the blood, if you will. I'm here thinking, uh, really? 
they, but that's that's how you know it's amazing some people didn't die because when um, Marie Antoinette was giving birth in France it was a very public occasion so the room was filled with all these people it was hot and um, she started to pass out well what they did is they did the bloodletting and they cut her and was taking the blood thinking that was going to make her feel better they were very lucky that at that point they didn't kill her because that just wasn't the solution and back then they didn't know any better a lot of the things they did back then they didn't know any better quite frankly even i'd say like uh, old wives tales that you know if you get a a burn you should add butter to it i don't know about you but if i start smelling my or hearing my skin going because they added butter after getting a burn we're gonna have some problems here okay I, I don't know about that i think just putting it under cold water should suffice they've actually found that putting the butter on it actually holds the heat in your skin so it actually does the opposite as far as making it feel better and healing it and what you need to do is like you said put it under water put it in ice on it because it's going to draw the heat out Whereas covering it with that substance, the butter, it holds the heat in. It's a lard. It's supposed to cook. You're going to help your burn cook. See, this is what I'm talking about. So I digress. Let's get back to incubus and succubus and their origins. Uh, it is also believed that back in the day, they actually came from Nephilim. When Nephilim died in the Book of Enoch, and I know that I'm kind of like going into the no-no zone here when it comes to discussing a book that's not even included in the Bible, but it was believed that the bodies of all Nephilim would dissolve into evil spirits of the air. And there have been many people that have said that these are evil spirits of the air, so these must be incubus, succubus, and there you go. That's another folklore you could throw in there if you want to. Me personally, I think that's reaching. I think it's plain as, you know, one, two, three. And there you go. I can't say the names of the individuals that Lilith decided to get jiggy with, but that's just me and my belief system because I don't want to give this any power. Um, and having been trained as a demonologist and already having made that foo paw a few times in research, I was like, oh, I said it out loud. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, I think, honestly, we need to be more careful of how what we decide what works for us. You know, everybody in chat is, is going to have their opinion and they're entitled to it whatever whatever suits you whatever fits your mold by all means have that it's it's a free country do as you will i have my way of thinking i believe there is the clinical sleep paralysis and i believe there's the induced sleep paralysis by these beings okay just just to make vicky happy because she's got this look on her face like he's gonna say it, he's gonna say it, he's gonna say it no beings Okay, beings. Vicky, go ahead. I didn't say anything. You know, you must be feeling real guilty about something that you keep trying to blame me and saying that I'm saying and looking and doing. Because I am not saying and looking. You and got doing. this look on your face like. I'm not. 
I oh well I might as well tell the honest. Maybe it has to do with the fact I have one contact in and the other one out. I meant oh, to then, put the other contact in. I meant to say that at the top of the show. If anybody thinks I'm winking at them, I'm actually not. I'm just trying to see the screen better. So I'm trying to avoid wearing the reading glasses during the show because of the glare on them. So I thought one in and one out might work. But no, you got me. You Now you think I'm giving you all these dirty looks. Yeah, you're kind of like. That's my contact. You're doing a Popeye on me here. Wink, wink. It's my contact. Yeah, so your, your take so far on what's been presented here today when it comes to incubus succubus you know clinical sleep paralysis all that stuff my take and i'm going to talk about one of the other things that we were talking about the other night you said that you Sorry. said that traditional methods to rid someone of a demonic do not work on incubus and succubus correct from what i've seen and read and spoken to individuals that are actual clergy no that made me think it's either one or two scenarios they're not demonic they're a completely different entity i said it completely different entity so it would be like me coming in and trying to get rid of your roaches and use ant spray. I'm like, eh, you know, maybe get rid of a couple of them, but not for good. Or the other case may be they're super demonic. Like they are so high level. Yes, super demon. They're so high level that no one has even figured out how to address them, not because they're not of that origin, but because, you know, I mean, I'm going to get graphic here. There's strands of super gonorrhea, right? It's resistant to, well, there is. It's resistant to penicillin, right? But does that make it not gonorrhea? No, it's still gonorrhea. It's just super gonorrhea because it's, it can't, you can't treat it with antibiotic. So what if they're super demons? They're still demonic, but you just haven't found the right penicillin yet. Yeah, but we have to also remember they're a mutt. They're part human, part demon. According to legend. Yeah, but just about every legend seems to point in that direction. It doesn't matter where you come from. It seems to point in the direction part human, part demon. But and it's they, still a legend. Yeah, but again, it, it, it we're if we keep calling it legend then that means it's just a legend it doesn't exist hercules didn't exist zeus didn't exist so then it's just a legend uh it is stated that in some cases only an exorcism will work i beg to differ um but has to be followed with counseling and cleansing of the person involved however it is not 100 it depends on where you look um you know I've yet to see where exorcism has worked. I've read many case files that have involved incubus, succubus, I, and, and every single attempt at uh, the solemn rite of exorcism has failed. Um, solemn is like the highest level you can go when it comes to exorcisms. 
then again, I've seen in where other unorthodox ways of getting rid of them has actually worked. And then you kind of have to start saying, well, if it works, I'll look the other way. And that's it, right? Um, I'm not going to say which because, you know, people out there will then always say, well, I'm going to start doing that, you know? Right. I, I, I can't responsibly. As a paranormal investigator, as a demonologist, I cannot do that. But I have read where unorthodox ways work better than the actual Christian, you know, exorcisms. Uh, question from Bob Burnell. So where does shadow people come in? I thought they were responsible for sleep paralysis. That's the first time I hear of that. Uh, actually, no, it's not. Um. Mr. Rick and Rick Secker, who actually was on our show, was it was he sleep? He was. Yeah, he I was, think he was. He was. Yeah, he was a kid. But was that and then you have to go back and ask, was that real sleep paralysis or was that he was just scared shitless? <laughs> she said I mean, the word. She said the poop word. <laughs> I mean, seriously, especially when you're dealing with a child, you can be frozen with fear. You can be in a state where you don't want to move so badly you don't think you can move. But now any cases that I've dealt with where they have given the description of what I would call a classic shadow person, um, they were able to move. They just just kind of watched them. And, you know, I think they were more scared to move than they were enabled to. Yeah, I, I was going to tell Bob, I've never heard of anyone that has had the clinical term or the other uh, sleep paralysis, maybe scared to where they couldn't move, like a deer caught in the headlights kind of deal, but not sleep paralysis, where they literally did not have control over their body and could not physically move. I have yet to hear of that. I've heard, you know, people being so scared that they were like, you know, like this that's about it but no uh to answer that question as best as i possibly can that's the first time i hear of that uh, i i think that there is a natural explanation uh i don't think it's scientific <coughs> although science will always try to explain things away which is fine i have no issue with this but they will try to disprove what has back then, and we, we already made fun of this earlier, uh, what they perceived to be what it was, and it really wasn't. What if, okay, I, I remember um, back when, even during Jesus' time. You were there? Someone had, no, I read it. I knew about you were it. old. Uh, I knew I'm old, but, you know, you're older than I am, but I read books, you know. I digress. Did, did the audience just see that he called a woman out for being older than him? Yes, I did. Because you called me old first. Anyways, the gloves come off when you bring it up first. So, <laughs> anyways, um, when back then during Jesus' time, someone was having a grand mole epileptic seizure, they believed it to be demonic possession. When in fact, it was not. We know today. That is not the case. I know because my aunt, may she rest in peace, suffered from grand mal epileptic seizures. That is not demonic. 
And I don't care how many times my family or, or our pastor prayed over her. It wouldn't go away. They'd always go at it as a demon. Be gone in the name of you know who. And it would still be there. Why? Because it wasn't a demon. But I think that's why you have the turn from everything is a spiritual, a demonic issue. And you then try to go to the extreme opposite where science has gone to try to come up with an explanation for everything that may not already have an explanation. So whereas in the past you went far to this side, now science tries to take you far this way. What happens is in life, most things meet somewhere in the middle. And that's where they're missing. And you also have, like we mentioned, you have this may be caused by this. Okay, that's scientific. It might be over here. This person's is this. Okay, that's psychological. And this person, wow, that doesn't fit in either of those categories. So we have to look that maybe this is some type of supernatural experience. Better late than never. Eileen's in the house. Uh, Don't tell her what we were discussing. Why is she going to (laughs) leave? No, she's going to (laughs) stay. No, I I love Eileen, but her and I always go back and forth at it. Kind of like you and me. Uh, so, oh, is that why I like her so much? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what girl, you need to call me. Yeah, you do that. Yeah. So back then, a lot of the what we now have figured out to be physical things, mental things. Uh, back then, they called demons. They called spirits. They called affliction. Um, and this is how arcanian they were back then but it's not really their fault they 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 had no access to medicine like we do today in fact dare i say the reason the witch hunts and the the killings happened is because these witches were the first pharmacists they were actually using herbs and they were wrongfully accused of being witches and burned at the state they were apothecaries they knew how to use the things that you found naturally in the earth in order to heal people and even to this day if i can find a natural cure for something without i'm like anti-pill as much as i can be if there's a solution i used the example earlier fever jamaicans they take some lemongrass they boil it up make a tea you drink that tea your fever goes away. Unfortunately, one time my ex, he kind of misunderstood. I told him that I had a headache, but he heard fever instead. So he boiled it up and added some gin. And then that was supposed to cure it. But I'm like, I have a headache. He goes, oh, I thought it was a fever. So <laughs> yeah, so make sure it, it, with your apothecary, make sure you they know all your symptoms before making you something. <laughs> make sure you're enunciating correctly and over and over and over. So yeah, all of a sudden you don't find yourself on the can. Uh, that being said, so yeah, 
it's 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 fascinating. You see the the stark differences between back then and now, and where we're at. But there's also something to be said from learning from our past as well. If you don't learn from our, our you know, your mistakes, from our mistakes as society, as human beings growing up, we're doomed to repeat them again and again and again. We need to stop doing this. Unfortunately, some people are slower than usual and they don't get the picture. Um, incubus, succubus. I'm going to ask the question, how many people in the chat believe in them? Or do you believe that this is just a misunderstanding and it can easily be explained away by medicine, science, or whatever? So Stephen says, I'll be honest, in over 30 years in the paranormal field, I've only encountered a demon once only because it was summoned by a less than favorable person. Beth Allen knows what I thought he was going to say. Beth Allen was the one who did it. Okay, Beth Allen knows what I'm talking about. Other than that, I only encounter Dodge Demons. LOL. Okay, so um, that being said, I, I yes, they can be conjured. Um, in the many years I've been doing, and I've been a demonologist for what 35 years now. I can honestly say I've gone through more paranormal stuff, ghosts, human spirits than I have demonic. They're very rare. Possessions, very far and few between. Attachments, more so than, than usual. But at the same time, depends on what you're attracting to yourself too. There are some people that are caught in certain circumstances where they cannot control themselves or they find themselves in a, in a situation where they become victims. They have a bullseye painted on them by these things. So my take is that, yes, there are a lot of things that we can actually say, hey, this could be explained away by medicine, psychology, science. Why not? Let, let's I'm I'm in the middle. Let's let's use both to explain how to rid ourselves of the affliction vicky and i think that's what's important i think we could sit here and we could debate from now until the cows come home as to what their origins are but if you are a person who is experiencing this activity you don't give a crap whether this theo theologist said this and this one said that or this doctor says this and this psychiatrist says that you want it to stop Correct. And that's the important thing. Unfortunately, that means all the legwork that has to be done is done by researchers to figure out the origins in order to stop it. So it's kind of like this continuous cycle where people need help, but they can't exactly. And it keeps going and going and going. But also, let's not forget something, Vicky, something very, very important. I could be suffering from a headache for the past three months. And anyone in their right mind would have said, you should have gone to the doctor a long time ago, right? Mm -hmm. And if I choose not to go to a doctor and try to figure out what's going on, that means that's the other equation that we're leaving out is right. it also takes the victim of headaches, demonic or otherwise, to actually go to someone that can help them. They need to want to be helped. Right. All right. That's fair enough. And especially with these kind of attacks too, mm -hmm. I would always suggest 
first and foremost, go to a medical doctor to see if there's something clinically wrong with you. Then go to psychiatric professionals to have that harsh portion eliminated. If you don't have any mental issue, any physical issue, then that's when you come over here and say, okay, this is still happening. Process of elimination. Logical Safe. first. Of course, you know, common sense dictates that you want to eliminate any and all possible things that it could be before landing on your, the one thing you fear the most. Fair enough. All right. So I'm going to ask our producer, how much time do we have to go before we end up having to take our commercial breaks? And I think, you know, we're pretty close Two. So let's go ahead and take our break anyways, because the next second hour, we are going to be discussing the case of Doris Bither. And for those of you that don't know Doris Bither, this is the name of the the woman that unfortunately suffered, um, in my opinion, at the hands of, yeah, uh, not very good investigators. And they were parapsychologists. Go figure. But it is what it is. It's a shame. And she continued suffering to the day she died. I don't know if people are aware of this. And she died in... Well, there's there's two different versions. Of well, there's two different versions, yes. But from what I understand, she still continued to suffer. And she died in 98 or 99, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that being said, we will hit Doris Bither when it comes to that her case. And we will go into it right in. But don't go anywhere listen to to our commercials watch our commercials and we'll be right back after these few short words from our sponsors don't go anywhere
Welcome back to Greetings from Beyond Radio. Uh, this second hour, we will be discussing the case of Doris Biffer, uh, better known as The Entity. And uh, for many, many years after the book and the movie, more than anything else, made it 
uh, point of discussion. It was loosely based on the true story of Doris Bither. Um, Vicki, you know what? Being you've read the book, I've seen the movie, and I've read a few case files on it during uh, our time researching for it as well. I think you should lead with this because although was the book considered to be a fiction or was it considered to be loosely based on true accounts? From my research compared to what the book is saying, it's definitely loosely based. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the investigators that were involved did have a say in some of the things about the book and they were consultants on the movie itself there's a whole part of the movie that was created that was completely false because the author had asked the investigators what was something you would have liked to have done and if you remember the movie where they created that um, controlled environment where they basically yes. built you know her yes. house in the set that was just completely made up that was what they wished they had done I'm sure that they're kicking themselves because there's a lot of things they should have done that they didn't do. And um, the only thing I'm going to say, because I know that you're going to have your little uh, opinion and, and rant session. The only thing I'm going to say in their defense is that it was 1974 and they did not have the same kind of things at their disposal that we have today. But the things that they do they have left behind from this case we can look at with today's lenses and if um, our producer wants to start with some of the pictures i found some interesting information about some of those pictures all right so there's one of the pictures that is said to I've come. There's another picture where you can actually see Doris sitting on the bed. Um, I'm not sure if we have that one. That's a picture of the actual house. But there were some Polaroid pictures taken, and there are three of them. There, yes. are, there are two that are similar, and then there's a third one that doesn't have any. Um, okay. So there she, there's the picture that the one at the top was when um, Doris was actually sitting on the bed where they caught that arc of arc of light. And then the other ones where they always want to talk about how if you look at that second picture, how the um, arc comes up, but it doesn't bend like if it were caused by a shadow because you have the bend of where the ceiling and the walls are meeting. People have looked at these, again, through the technology and the knowledge that we have now. These pictures have been debunked as far as them being legitimately showing evidence of paranormal activity. When she had a very small bedroom and when they were investigating, they had anywhere from 25 to 30 people shoved in this little tiny bedroom. The people who have looked at, subsequently looked at these particular pictures have said that because of how they look, I'm not a picture expert, but what they said makes sense. Because of the way that things were, it they believe was actually a hair because you can tell that there's 
the camera and then there's the background and this comes in between and that it was actually probably, especially since you had 25 to 30 people in the room, somebody's hair is flying around and it probably just briefly went across the camera lens at the time. Now the Polaroid pictures, if you want to pull up those, there were three Polaroid pictures. Now, as anybody knows, people who are here, that you're a good investigator, when you take pictures, you should always take at least three in a row without moving, making sure that everything's exactly the same. So we have this picture where you can see that it's all blacked, you know, whited out. And then there's another one where it's also whited out. And then there's a third one that is not. Well, first and foremost, it was mistakenly marked that the people in the, the person in the picture was Doris. It was not. No. It was psychic friend Cannon. No. So that is, is a mismarking. Now, these two are caused from a flash, an overexposure of a flash. The third one was not, although they took it as an air quote controlled picture, it wasn't because they used ambient light. They did not use a flash. So it can't be compared to the first two because they didn't use a flash. It's not the same circumstances. It's not the same situation. And that white part that you see in this one, that's actually when they pulled it out of the camera. They actually um, nicked it. So that's not even anything. That's just um, human error again. There was a lot of human error going on during, during this investigation. Uh, that's what I discovered. I'm not going to name out the parapsychologists that were involved in this case, but they really mishandled this investigation. And it makes me wonder how much evidence they could have captured uh, other than reporting in their report and writing into their report what they experienced. Right. It's, it's a lot different when you have evidence versus what you're saying you experienced and saw. So it kind of leaves things open for discussion, kind of like where we're at 2023. And here we are discussing why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Now, you know, as far as cameras, they had the ability to have been videotaping in that house. That technology was available. Okay. So there's really no excuse they would have had. You would have thought that, um, course i heard that the department they worked for was then defunct so they may mm. not have had a lot of funding but they also had connections with a lot of people now what people may not know because i'm i can't remember if it's depicted in the novel as i will call it but doris was actually at a bookstore and she overheard these two people talking about a paranormal investigation and she approached them to say that she had some things going on in her home. Mm -hmm. They went to her home. They didn't really notice anything too much other than her bedroom was extremely cold and there was no air conditioning. So it should not have been. The house was dilapidated. In fact, it had been condemned twice and she was still basically living there in this condemned home. They pretty much told her, Go see a psychiatrist. And the reason they returned and started an actual investigation is because more people 
were able to witness some of the activity that was going on in the home. And that drew them back into the case and to start documenting what was going on. Yeah. But again, in it was 1974. Um, yeah. Just so you're aware, they actually did have infrared film back then and they did use it during the investigation mm -hmm. okay uh yeah air quotes no uh you know there there was a lot of foopas a lot of mishandling of this case in my opinion uh i'm not going to go into names individuals or organizations that allegedly investigated this case but let's just say for argument's sake that what miss doris bither was actually going through was at that time a modern day case of incubus because there were reports from her where she was being raped and by multiple incubus well, she said there were three, and the two smaller ones, their purpose was to hold her down. Correct. Well, the larger one, and you can actually check that. There are legends, folklore, in some of the other countries where it does involve three with pretty much the same MO. Okay. That being said, so it was your classic MO of what, and uh, an incubus succubus attack would be um she was also held down but paralyzed right there was sleep paralysis involved well the one of the attacks well the attacks were very graphic yes and so i don't want to go into too many details but there were things like um pillows and things like that that were used to so she couldn't breathe and so I, I don't necessarily count that as sleep paralysis she was held down physically held down and almost suffocated right at times now in the investigation one of the first things that they noticed was she was a heavy drinker and was they noticed they never stated mm -hmm. presently they never stated they what they stated was was known for substance abuse but no, they, they never, noticed they documented that when she was under the influence of alcohol that the activity increased but when she wasn't the activity decreased so when they were coming, which what parapsychologists did back in the day, they went from the PK standpoint, they figured that it was a combination. Uh, and we've talked about perfect storms before. Mm -hmm. She had been abused when she was younger. She yes. had been in abusive adult relationships. She had four kids by four different fathers mm -hmm. at this time. And she they believe either dabbled when she was younger with seances and spirit boards or she had a natural psychic ability so when she drank her defenses were more down so that her psychic ability and the pk and all that 
came more to the surface. They also were hypothesizing that because we know that psychic ability can be inherited, that in particular, her three sons might have also had the ability. Again, they're in this house. There was contention between the mother and all three sons. You had adolescents with them. They were, you know, perfect ages for that. They were like 10, 13, and 16 years old. And then the younger one was a girl and she was six at the time this started. So all of these things came together to create, again, what we've called the perfect storm. She had a woman that had knocked on her door. She hadn't lived in the house for very long. Reportedly, a woman knocked on the door. She said, I used to live here. This place is evil. And that's pretty much, she didn't give any details and she turned and she walked off. Whether that put something in Doris's mind, whether it set her up for a self-fulfilling prophecy, I don't know. But there was that woman that came to say, no, this, this place is evil. So you have a possible location that is contaminated. You have abuse. You have alcoholism. You have poverty. I mean, the, the place was condemned twice. So all of these things came together. A little bit on the story. Doris Bither, uh, the Doris Bither case, also known as the Entity Haunting, was a 1974 investigation into alleged paranormal phenomenon in Culver City, California, experienced by a woman named Doris Bither. The case inspired... Frank D. Felitas, who was the author of the book, The Entity, uh, who made later on made it into the 1982 hit film um, that we all know to this day uh, with Barbara Hershey. Uh, Doris Bither contacted parapsychologists, I'm not going to name the names, uh, in 1974 to relate alarming phenomena she experienced at the time said paranormal uh, parapsychologist was working in the new defunct parapsychology lab run by, I'm not going to say the other individual's name, at the university. Um, I find that to be interesting that it was, <laughs> what was it this case that defunct them or was it the fact that they just didn't know what the hell they were doing? I don't know. Well, whenever you're dealing with, because it was connected to a college, you had to prove that what you were doing was worthwhile enough for you to get funding. Okay. So, you know, you have to have come up and made some kind of leeway or did something that was worth the university spending that money to go ahead and fund your program. So at some point they decided, eh, you know, you guys, you guys aren't really doing much, so we're not footing the bill anymore. That is true. Uh, Doris Bither also known as the entity haunting was a 1974 investigation uh and it alleged rape after doris bither left her culver city home the phenomenon was ceased to exist in the house so this is what we were discussing um this is something that went with her this this stopped as soon as she left that house in culver city in california all activity ceased because it followed her into all the other places she went to. She continued getting attacked. Now, 
do we say that this is because of what she had already started as a her own made phenomenon or was there really something to this that actually made her i mean i don't know about you but i know i'd be i'd start drinking too if i had that happening to me every night just saying i always kid about i need a drink but i kid because i'm not a drinker but that would be enough to let to make any woman or man drink honestly that's just my opinion so that being said uh future future residents of the house have not reported anything out of the ordinary the house remains to this day ghost free and is in good conditions dr blah blah can't say his name reported that doris bither moved from culver city to carson california from carson to san bernard bernardino california sorry and uh, from San Bernardino to Texas and finally back to San Bernardino while jumping around the two states, Doris reported that the phenomenon followed her. Now, there's also a report that while she when she moved to Texas, she actually stopped all communication with the parapsychologist, the Wouldn't investigators, you? and she stopped. And when she stopped her communication with them, the phenomena stopped while she was in Texas. That's one of the reports. And also during the time period, going back and forth to the different places, she did report to have become pregnant by the entity. And it was determined that she had a, what, what we call a hysterical pregnancy. She had the physical symptoms of being pregnant without actually being pregnant. But her claim at one point was that she was impregnated by the entity what entity i still ask well we know they didn't impregnate her because it was hysterical pregnancy regardless but you know i i don't think either her or the parapsychologist had a name for this so they didn't know what to call it in fact i know for a fact that the parapsychologist one of the head parapsychologists called it a haunting just a haunting this is more than just a haunting. It's I'm also sorry. been labeled poltergeist as well. Correct. Because of the all the objects, they they were able to, there were some witnesses to some of the phenomena that was happening that um, was a little more intense. Her one son at one point saw her being attacked and went to intervene and he was actually thrown across the room. And whatever this was visited so much that the kids referred to it as, you know, something like who's it's here. And they acknowledged that this thing would come and go and that they gave it basically a personality and almost a name. Based on Bither's story, his own observations and the photographs, he of whom we shall not speak of, <laughs> Concluded, paranormal phenomena must have been involved, calling the case a haunting. Reviewing the case four decades later, investigator Benjamin Radford, I will state his name, and I'd like to invest, you know, actually have a, an interview with this gentleman down the road. Uh, it concluded the case likely involves a distressed family, poor investigation techniques, and confirmation bias. I have to agree with that. Uh, 
yes, yes, there was definitely a, a, a distressed family involved here. And you know what? This is home for you and I, Vicky. We we deal with this on a constant basis. We see families that are going through something that could be misconstru- misconstrued as paranormal when in fact it's actually something else altogether and the mind can do a lot of things it can create situations and change your surroundings to where it'll seem like a haunting it'll seem like an incubus succubus situation or a possession um or just everyday poltergeisty activity what i find fascinating is that people tend to leave out the mental side of things the mental side of things to me is very important in order to survive any kind of trauma we have our own coping skills and depending on what those coping skills are that's what's going to come forth now can we create a haunting based off of our trauma yes of course it's 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 a phenomenon it's not rare it happens i'd say a lot more than i like to admit and that being said we have to take under consideration could this have been a case like this for when doris spither actually started reacting responding uh to she was living in a house that had been condemned i want you to think about that They were squatting in a house. Her and four children were squatting in a house. No power, no electricity whatsoever, no AC. Um, And, you know, it sounds like she was a drinker. Sounds like she was abusing drugs too. Is it possible? Not, not, now I'm, I'm not, you know, casting shade on this Doris Bither here, but we have to look at all angles here. Could it be that she was so under distress, so desperate, failed relationship after failed relationship, possibly couldn't hold down a job long enough to even pay rent, much less power for that house that they were squatting in, that she created this on her own? It's possible. I'm not going to dismiss that as a possibility. Or was this just the perfect storm, as you and I like to call it, the perfect storm? of just everything just happening all at the wrong time i think it's a little bit of both i'm not a huge champion for um things totally being caused by pk but considering her past anybody would have a lot of anger and resentment it said that her she came from two alcoholic abusive parents Mm. and um there were a lot of disagreements until she finally just you know left could we have a case where it is pk it's her anger coming through or could these attacks have been so real maybe part of what happened to her when she was younger she repressed those memories And you could have had a case like the one I had where those repressed memories were coming through combined with somebody who may have had PK ability. And that creates a lot. My question, which is one of the questions that people thought about, she had the three sons. Two were younger and they were smaller. And then she had the 16 year old who was 
the larger of the three. Mm-hmm. Could there have been something else going on in that house? And she had to find a way to cope and turned it into something paranormal that wasn't. But the reason I'm going to dismiss that is because there are witnesses to some of that phenomena, including when there were several witnesses, they saw these green lights that managed to come together to form the upper torso of a man. And this was witnessed by multiple people. The thing is, can we go back? No, we can't. We can only look at what's left behind. And in this case, there's so many things that weren't well documented. So many things that were messed up that, I mean, even anybody who's ever researched this knows that you find, there's one account where they came across one of her, I think it was her middle son years later. And he's like, she died in 95. She didn't die in 99. I mean, so you even have her death <coughs> in dispute by someone who claims. And again, don't really know if that was one of her sons that had, you know, come forward and talked to somebody. But e- even this this woman's death date is up for debate. That's not even That's documented. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, again, look at the time period. Look at the angle they were coming from. Now, they did tell her to go see a psychiatrist. So if there were any mental illnesses, hopefully the psychiatrist would have found it at the time. All right. So uh, let's go back to Mr. Bob Burnell. Aren't those the type of targets that demons would choose? Rich, drugs, alcohol type people. Yes, they are uh, because they are naturally lowering their defenses. Um, There's speculation and i hate to base any anything on speculate you know speculation that she was abusing alcohol and drugs but uh, as vicky stated the activity would pick up when she did uh that being said it's safe to say that more than likely she was welcoming what was happening but at the same time uh she may have created this in her own mind and using psychic abilities brought this to life this this does happen it is a phenomenon that can very well happen although i would say today it would be more of a thing because there's so many people now with all the shows out there that will first believe in paranormal activity, demonic activity, this activity, than they would have back in the 70s. Back in the 70s, there really wasn't any shows except for in what in search of that actually covered this. And nowadays we have a gazillion shows that cover this subject matter 24-7. I I'd wager to say back then people were more impressionable. You know what? I I, I remember people saying. And, and I've seen I've seen the interviews uh, people, you know, they'd have uh, camera people outside and, and reporters asking as they'd leave the movie theater uh, from watching The Exorcist. And they're like, what are you doing out here? Oh, uh, I, I fainted. Oh, I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. There were even Valley Girls back then. 
And it's like, but I'm going to go back in. I just need to get some air and I'll go back in so I can get scared again. You know, you don't see that anymore. I'm sorry, but last time I checked, people are all up in that theater with their popcorn going. And it's like nothing shocks anyone nowadays. People have been desensitized. Horror has taken that big leap into like where exorcism. Me personally, I think The Exorcist was very well made, extremely well made, that it still stands the test of time to this very day. But it's more, in my opinion, horror mixed with a lot of psychological terror. Wouldn't you agree, Vicky? Uh, but nowadays, you know, what's, go what's out there? Seriously, there there's really nothing out there that scares me anymore. It's just, it's been overdone and it's, they've gone above and beyond. So people have been desensitized, but a situation like this, you know, what? I'd like to see, I wonder if they would be willing to remake the movie, the entity, but with hardcore facts involved, because that would make it even scarier. They are. It's in the works. Supposedly. Really? Okay. Yes. That's good to know. Supposedly they are looking to remake it. All right. That's cool. Uh, you know what? I I would like to go see that. Definitely. That would be something I'd plop myself down on the seat and get my nachos and cheese and my hot dog and go crazy. Yeah, I know you don't like cheese. No. Weirdo. You, you know, people, you know, th this, this is a woman that doesn't even like pizza. No, I don't like pizza. I don't like cheese. I mean... Oh. Uh, I'm paranormal. What can I say? Yeah, you are. You're prairie normal. <laughs> I'm prairie normal. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's just tell people because we we we've made reference to that now. Um, years ago, there was a team. They were on their way over to Ybor City, and they stopped to get gas. And this, you know, Florida man. We'll just call him Florida man. He comes up and there was a sign on their, their vehicle that said, you know, Florida ghost team. And so they're over there, they're pumping gas. So this guy comes up and he goes, you want them ghost team people? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in that prairie normal stuff. <laughs> we always use that term prairie normal because of that guy at the gas station. So... <laughs> Thank you, that guy at the gas station that called it Prairie Normal, because actually I've heard a lot of people say Prairie Normal nowadays. So look at that. Uh, that that guy at the gas station started something. I, I want to hear from people in the chat. Um, and if you end up not being able to ask your question, please feel free to leave your comments on our YouTube channel under the same name, Greetings from Beyond Radio, and we will get back to you with our answers and our opinions quite frankly we're all in this journey together right i can't say i'm an expert on anything i can say i'm experienced i can or say knowledgeable. i knowledgeable or knowledgeable of but i am not by far in any way shape or form can i say i'm an expert right. until whatever you know is written down in stone then you can call yourself an expert. I'm going to have to get myself a chisel and a hammer. But anyways, <laughs> um, 
So if any of you have any questions in the chat room, please don't be shy and please interact with us. Um, to, to, to answer Bob's question and go back to his, his statement here, it was really a question. Um, aren't, aren't those the type of targets that demons would choose? Yes, they would. The ones that abuse drugs, alcohol, or sick, yes. But they, if that was the case, we'd all be possessed. We'd all have incubus succubus all up in our business. That tends to happen, yes, but oftentimes it's also the perfect storm of everything. Playing with the spirit board, playing with, you know, tarots and whatnot. There are people that, you know, they say, hey, you know, I've never had any issues working with those things. And you know what? To each their own. My experience usually is well i did play with those and they don't know how to close out they don't know what they're doing it's readily available in bookstores if there's any bookstores left nowadays i think they're only barnes and nobles and you can actually get a spirit board at a toy store although i think all the stores that i used to go to i know like back in the day it was lionel play world uh, and, and he calls me old <laughs> hey yeah it's true and then after that Toys R Us, um, and now Toys R Us. I can't find a Toys R Us nowhere. It's they've all closed down. So that being said, now nowadays you can buy toys online. See, that's how far you know, into the future we've gone. I can actually watch. I can tell you right now. Maybe I could. What was it? I think it was Back to the Future Three, where they showed them in the future. And I'm thinking, I, I bet you if I were to turn that on right now, I'd be able to find a lot of the technology that they were fiddling around with and kind of like, you know, showing off in that movie that exists today. Agreed? Agreed. Yeah. So imagine if we could take this technology back into the 70s for Miss Doris Bither and help her out instead of these <clears throat> parapsychologists that didn't really know what they were doing and taking pictures of their hair. Um but I think what's important is that there wasn't, e even if we go back, it would take multiple things. This isn't a one and done. This isn't, oh, okay, here's the cure. She would have had to have been a very active part in ridding herself Agreed. of this situation. Agreed. She would have had to have had good advice from people who knew what they were talking about and a lot of therapy a whole heck of a lot of therapy in order to make this a happy ending. And unfortunately it's not, I, I maybe in to some degree, maybe cause she pretty much kind of disappeared, but this woman, she was only 58 when she passed away. That's sad. And that's, that's a very short life. And it's a shame that she, was bothered by this for so many of those years. It, it, it's a shame that, um, and I, I, I even question if they really did keep in touch with her because if this parapsychology uh, department was defunct soon after, why would they have kept in touch with her? Maybe because of the case, because they did get a little bit of notoriety, especially when you fast forward to the book being made into a movie. And there is one account that the author did get in touch with her and she did go see the movie. 
Because there's some reports that say that she kept, well, this was, I think it came out when she had, was in Texas. And it was the author that got in touch with her and she went to the movie because at the Texas point, she had stopped talking to the parapsychologist. You want to answer the question from Bob Burnell? Um, is this the only case like Dorothy's case of a spirit or spirits raping someone? No, we actually have, we had touched on this haunting um, case when we talk about the Warrens, I believe, and we yes. talked about the Smurls. Yeah. The Smurls had activity that could be classified poltergeist slash demonic slash um, succubus because uh, Mr. Smurl was attacked by a succubus that appeared to him at first to be this beautiful young girl and during the act turned into the old hag and in this case i believe that there was actually something left behind enough left behind for him to pretty much confirm that whatever happened had just actually really happened and that's another thing that's missing from doris's case but I think it's not like the parapsychologists and the investigators were present during one of those physical attacks where she was raped in order for them to try to get physical evidence. And again, time period, she may not have thought to see if there was any physical evidence. You know, that is true. The, the cases that we have had in the past, you and I both shared one uh of a woman claiming that she was being attacked by an incubus and she did state i remember i don't know if, if she stated it to you but i remember her stating that there was physical evidence left behind we never got a collection of it and quite frankly because it never really happened while we were there so i wonder if this is just an attention thing what, what were, I, my feelings was that this is all about attention I don't think there was anything really going on there. Maybe there was something there, but I don't think she was being raped. Yeah. Well, there is definitely, we gathered evidence to show that there was actually something there. Um, and again, I had a hard time believing the sexual assault yeah. in light of the phenomena. And, and, and that's, that doesn't take a psychic ability to figure out, you know, it's, it's using your gut. I just, I had a feeling there really wasn't any of that happening at all. So and I think she loved the company. I mean, I think that, well, it started when I was on Florida Ghost Team. And when um, I left and made my own team, the client had reached out specifically to me. And I explained, I'm not on that team anymore. You can contact the other person, blah, blah, blah. She goes, no, if you have a team, I want you. I think that it was the company. We would make the trek. It was like, four plus hours four to five hours to go over really? there was that long yeah because it's it was basically like north fort myers and um so it was a little trek through little tiny <laughs> podunk towns and you know places where the speed limit was 35 and gosh darn it you that's why it took so long yes you better go 35 going through pahokee them good old boys gonna stop you 
yeah. Um, but I think I think it became more of an attention thing. And then I think she was also, I found out later on, she was writing a book. And I think that she oh. was using some of the experiences. Um, she actually accused my team of stealing her floppy disk that had her book written on it. I'm like, I don't have a computer you could stick a floppy disk in. You know, what's funny is I, I know of someone else, too, that uh, willingly gave us the, uh, I'd say, three and a half years of evidence of EVPs and video and even wrote down her name, uh, stating, I hereby give, at that time, my name, my team's name was National Paranormal Society, uh, uh, my uh, uh, possession of collection of tapes and EVPs and whatnot to do with as they see fit and even had her on video saying this and writing her Jane Hancock on there. And of course, not even three days pass. And the woman's like, I want my stuff back. Well, I got a paper that says this stuff don't belong to you no more. So go away. And quite frankly, we were trying to actually genuinely help her. It's just, when people are wanting that type of negative attention, it's amazing the things they'll say and do. Good Lord. Producer, how how much time do we have left? Uh, the last time I checked, we, you said 15 minutes. And uh, I want to devote the rest of that time to our guests next week. And I'm going to let Vicky take over when it comes to the books that our guests so we have 12 minutes left i think that gives us enough time to actually cover uh our next guest next week is going to be none other than keith linder who's written three books am i right yes go ahead from top to number three and exactly who mr keith linder is and what he's been through and what we're going to be discussing next week all right. Well, next week, um, Keith Linder has been on multiple podcasts. He's um, had multiple interviews. And I'm one of the things I'm most anxious about and very curious about is that there has actually been some type of activity with the podcasters during the interview. So that'll be interesting to see if that occurs. Um, his First, uh, I ain't gonna be a guinea pig. You want to be a guinea pig? Go right ahead. I'm gonna be burning some frankincense and myrrh here. Screw that. Now, nah, you, you, you do you, hon. Um, his first book, um, The Bothell Hell House, it talks about his experiences when he moved into a house in Washington state where he had a plethora of activity. And I'm not even going to go into any of that because that's what he's for next week. Um, if you do want to check out the book, it is available on Amazon. And I just posted my review of the book. So if you click on the, the reviews and you click on most recent, you're going to find mine because I just did that the other day. And then his second book covers the time period after he left the Bothell House. And that book is called Attachments. And you can pretty much figure out what that means. And that's going to talk about what happens to him once he leaves that house. Again, if you go on Amazon, you will see, click on most recent. I also wrote a book review on that one. And the last one is really a technical book. It's going to go into, he talks about
quantum physics and quantum mechanics and all these other theories and things like that. And he also gives towards the end, he gives stories and updates. And some of those updates include how he has helped other people who have gone through the type of activity that he has. So I'm there. There's so much to the story, so many layers. And I think we're going to concentrate that interview on the experiences at the actual Bothell house, because that laid the groundwork for the other two books. So we're going to start with focusing on that and the activity there. You know, and, and from what, there you go. Um, yeah. we, we have two hours of Mr. Keith Linder, and we're going to be strictly discussing anything and everything that has to do with his experience from day one. And that in itself is going to be uh, enough to actually go more than just two hours because uh, he's got three books and he's still, from what I understand, going through experiences. Yes. Uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. So definitely next week we have Keith Linder. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this because it's it's different when we talk about it, when you got someone through has gone through it. Uh, that's a different matter altogether. So yeah. you may want to stick around for that. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things when I started investigating. <laughs> Our producers say she's going to get a new and old priest at her house. <laughs> um, yeah. When I first started uh, investigating and I was looking for material, one of my go-tos was always to get my hands on any personal account of a haunting. I think that that has such deep information because it's coming from the person who lived it, not someone who's analyzing it, not someone who's over analyzing it, but someone who actually lived through it. And I think there's a lot to learn from other people and their experiences. So that's always been huge on my list of reading material. And I have to say, I know you and I, Rich, we're very hard cover, regular old fashioned book kind of people. But there are a whole lot of things available on Kindle that are little. I have Kindle Unlimited. A lot of them are zero dollars. And a lot of them are a lot cheaper on Kindle than they are to get the physical book. And there are a lot of tales from a lot of people that talk about their hauntings. I like the books because you can get them autographed. Kindles, you really can't. Because once you get that autographed, it's like, I can't read it now. Thanks. <laughs> Well, my copy of Attachments by Keith Linder is actually making its way through the mail. And he just told me today it's going to either arrive at my house Saturday or Monday. So I will have it physically in my house. I have the book form also of his first book. I have a, both of them on Kindle as well, but I have the physical copy. And number two is on its way now, traveling through the mail. I have a long list of autographed books that I still want to get. And to be honest with you, I'm hard pressed to get a lot of them. I, I know uh, Mr. Barry Fitzgerald is one of them. And he already stated to me via uh, PM once. He's like, I'd love to get that book to you. But my friend, it's going to be super expensive nowadays just shipping it because he's in Ireland. And that in itself, I said, you know what? Let me save up for it. And uh, as long as I know that it's been autographed by you. I'll gladly read it and I'll put it in my personal library, which is 
quite vast. In fact, I've had to actually take books out and put them in, in storage. Um, speaking of which, do you have my copy of The Haunted, which is the story of the Smurls? I think the last time you were in town, I think I let you read it. I don't want to send Guido over to your house to get it from you. Send Guido over. You so. don't want to know what's going to be sent back. <laughs> <laughs> Chillax, all right, Guido. Um, I'd have to look, but I'm sure I still have it because I did start reading it. I may have left it in Utah, and if I did, I'll bring it back. Don't worry about it. Or I'll buy you a new one. Don't worry. Calm sure. down. And Is I see it autographed? That. No, it was written by Ed and Lorraine Warren. I haven't been, I wasn't that lucky. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if, if, if anything, I have one that actually is autographed by Ed and Lorraine Warren, the werewolf. I'll give that one to you. No, you know what? I won't. I can't. Uh, that was given to me by the late Scott Morrow. Keyword being late Scott Morrow. And it's one of the only things I have left to remember my good friend, Scott, who passed away rather uh, way too young. Uh, but I just want my book back. OK, I'll get your book. Calm down. Chill and out. next time I'm holding one of your rings as collateral until uh, my book. Comes oh, uh, I can always get another ring. But OK, <laughs> as long as it's not the ones that mean a lot to me, we're good. All right. I'm not going to take a useless one. Duh. <sighs> See, this is what I got to deal with all the time. So. Yeah. Uh, so we got five minutes to go, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, Keith Linder next week will be here. Don't miss that. And uh, we're going to have, I'm just basically going to go, you know, Keith, take the wheel and talk. Listen, uh, he knows, he knows how to do the, the information. He knows he's, he's been on multiple podcasts. Trust me. This is an interesting story. Everybody needs to listen to it, learn from it. And this will be like you and me. We'll just be sitting here with our drinks. Yeah. I'll have my virtual popcorn. Yeah. I, and yeah. We, we'll let him. He's going to take over the show. The way I see it, it's going to be a good one. And we're going to be just sitting back and enjoying everything going on. So with that being said, ladies and gents, as I always state, I'm going to end the show and I'm going to say this, watch it next week. Keith Lender, three-time author. He's going to be talking about his experiences for two hours. Okay. All you got to do is just ask the questions. If you want to use your digits and he'll answer them. And as far as I'm concerned, let him take the wheel and let him go from there. So you're right there. <coughs> no, I'm dying. I I can't get there in time. Just come on. No, cut the show. <laughs> Don't die dying. on air. That would be an interesting rating show. Vicky Burnett. That, okay, anyways. So oh, I'm not gonna come back and haunt you for that one. <laughs> live life. Don't let, let life live you. And peace be still. See you all next week.